Welcome to Soccer Talk, a podcast about soccer, mostly in Iowa, presented by Kick It Forward. Kick It Forward is a positive disruptor to the Iowa soccer community. Thanks to our sponsors, Scott Insurance Services and Michael Keener, Attorney at Law. You need legal help? You need insurance help? Those are the two to contact. That's right. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Soccer Talk. This is Ben Brackett, your co-host, along with my good friend and pal, Blake Sievers. Blake, what's up, man? Hey, Ben. I'm doing well. Good to be back uh, kind of on the regular with the pods as well as our game of the week now. Um, For those that recall, we covered the uh, Grandview women and Graceland women's game last week, and this week we uh, were up in Ames watching Baylor take on uh, Iowa State. Yeah, it worked out well for us. Uh, you know, good friend of the pod, Paul Jobson down at Baylor, came in last year when they played Drake to uh, take a little interview with us. And then uh, this year, they were up in I was up at Iowa State, so we went up and checked them out, and also gave us a really good opportunity to meet Matt Fallon, new Iowa State women's coach. Yeah, I'm wondering if uh, I used the wrong we're going to have to go down to Waco next year for, oh. third, uh, <laughs> for year three. Exactly. Exactly. That, uh, well, at least maybe like later in the season, hopefully, when it's a little cooler. Yeah, we don't want to go down in August. We'll go down in uh, exactly. in November. We'll go down to the Big 12 Women's Tournament, wherever that is hosted. and Or they might, uh, as we get into our pod here, uh, as you guys will listen, uh, maybe the, their younger players will be another year older and maybe visit them at an NCAA tournament site. We'll see. Yeah, right on. Well, anyway, so uh, we had the Titan Tactician join us up in Ames for the game. Took it in on a beautiful night. Uh, We'll kind of give you all the details, so why don't we just hop to it. Matt Sahig, the Titan Tactician. Welcome back to the pod and the studio. It's nice to have you back. How are you guys doing? I'm good. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Um, just, uh, you know, taking in the beginning of the week like a normal, uh, and like any other week, I suppose. Just uh, having come off another game of the week. So uh, pretty pumped to be back here to chat with you guys. Uh, we had a beautiful evening of women's league today. We did. It was, uh, I think none of us have ever been up there, and they have um, made a pretty cool little athletic complex, a big track, and then uh, a soccer facility in the middle. And the one thing I thought that was pretty neat and different is uh, the track was an eight lane track, but the soccer field was, it looked like a soccer width, 
Field, no football lines, no football lines, or any lines. We're there. Soccer lines. Yep, that's true. That is true. <laughs> well, hopefully we can uh, get a little bit more uh, student analysis than that from the Titan Cast Station. That's for sure. Um, we have a good weather report. Didn't we? Yeah. I thought so. Uh, the people, it looks like uh, on social media, thought so as well. Uh, it was a gorgeous night. Exciting soccer. It was, and I mean, we talked a little bit about the environment, maybe just take expectation and give them that, but I don't know how much that actually is tactics. But yeah, uh, we don't want to get into the motion at all. I want him only focused on the objective thing. The marching band. <laughs> I mean, to me, that added a great, uh, great bit of atmosphere. So that was pretty cool. To be fair, that is objective because there's no doubt about it. That was pretty. It was like super cool, and they were good. And he's into it as well. So yeah, and I hope they go to again. It's our First women's game I've ever been up to in Ames, so I don't know if that's the norm or if it's due to COVID or whatnot. Uh, but hopefully the, the band uh, makes an appearance at every home game for the uh, Cyclones. So. Absolutely. Well, let's get to it, Matt. What uh, what do you think? What would talk to us a little bit about the game? Well, I, I'm going to divert the conversation a little bit. You're going to against your uh, of course against your wishes. Love it. But I, now I kind of want to set the scene a little bit here, right? Um, and you know, some of my comments um, will make a little more sense as we kind of talk about some of the players. But um, you guys had mentioned the band. Um, surprisingly, there were there were a number of fans in the stadium, which is totally cool. I thought it was great. A lot of family, a lot of friends, maybe some students in there, a good socially distanced. But and people standing behind and around the field as well, like outside the fence. Yeah. So I mean, and that's where we were. We actually uh, stood for most of the game. So. It's actually really cool. I mean, we were away from the stadium, the actual field a little bit, but there's a little bit of a hill on the outside of the fence, and the hill is high enough where you can see the field plainly, and you can get a good perspective of what's happening in the game from behind the goal. So for a variety of reasons, I thought that was nice. But you know, one of the things I'll say is that there may be some attendance sort of um, rules and regulations right now with COVID, but if you are um, Ames resident or even a Des Moines resident, and in particular if you're a youth soccer player, um, you know what a great place to go watch a game. I mean, you get to, I mean, there's so many Cyclone fans out there, and you know, you know, they're all over, all over Ames and all over Des Moines. But if you're a youth soccer player, I think there's some good things going on with this team. Um, just from what I watched um, uh, in the game of the weekend, and listening to the interviews you guys uh, did with the coaching staff. Seems like this coaching staff is aggressive. They're smart. They get a good head on their shoulders. It just feels like they've got the team going in the right direction. Yeah, let me interject real quick on that, Matt, or just add a little color. Um, obviously, we like to do our research here at Soccer Talk. And so um, I was doing a little research, uh, a little investigative journalism, and spoke to some uh, couple former players and players that were familiar with the program over the past five years. Um, and they said it just looked like these girls are having a whole heck of a lot of fun, and they're playing some really good stuff, um, and basically they were just jealous because they didn't have quite as good of an experience there. Yeah, I mean, I think that Joan didn't, um, um, in the post-interview, didn't the coach indicate that maybe this is the first conference win? I mean, they won the game. First conference win in a number of years. Like for the seniors, it was their first conference win. Yeah, so huge deal. So for the feedback to be that these, um, these athletes are having fun, and they hadn't even won a game yet, um, but were in the game, and then won this particular game, obviously went into it, 
And that's, I mean, you know, Baylor's a, po a formal opponent. I mean, they were in the final, final four like a couple of years ago. Elite eight, yeah. Elite eight, a couple of years ago. Um, and we know how good um, uh, Coach Glass uh, Glassman is with this very new team. So um, that's the kind of result of the game and getting that really um, channeled on momentum and, and kind of being around me from, from program around. So I can see why, you know, the, the, the two emotions sort of since then were, uh, were flowing high in the right direction for the, for the Falcons. I'm, I think those were, that was acceptable commentary. I appreciate that. So I'll, I'll add then, I mean, so for those Ames soccer club coaches, I mean, and parents and everybody, um, get your kids out to go see a game. I mean, this is this is just the atmosphere, right? Because it's not just like, like you can go to watch the great women play, the great men play, but, um, you know, they're playing out kind of away from town. Um, you know, there's generally, I, I I'd like to see more players at great games too, but the thing that's cool about this is it's on campus. There were, there were clearly students there. <laughs> Uh, there were clearly fans there, but I mean, you're literally like you're in the middle of the neighborhood. So, right, like we uh, we would drive around the whole to, to do our interviews. We were going around to the front, and we were driving like through the neighborhood, and it's it's like a super. It'd be like if Drake had a stadium on campus for women's soccer. Well, yeah, and I would kind of disagree with you guys a little bit. Where I was disappointed that there weren't more people on that hill behind where we were sure. at. Uh, it was a Friday night, gorgeous, six o'clock kickoff. Right, so it wasn't super late, um, and maybe that's and I know the staff is, is new here, but I guess that would be the challenge I would throw out to them: is how can they uh, incorporate the local community with the Ames Soccer Club that's right there in Presque to get more fans, more uh, young kids out to watch, and and then maybe a challenge to the when they does do open up to have because it would be pretty cool. I think if they could put some bleachers behind the goal for the student uh, that got the face. And uh, we've all, I think, probably played at places where there's a student section behind one of the goals. And again, adds to the environment and uh, gives your, yourself a little home field advantage as well. I wonder if the facilities folks up there at ISU will listen to this uh, podcast. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's get to the let's get to the game, shall we? Yes, um, definitely. So, um, well, I mean, as we we indicated, I mean. Coming to this game, well, two things. Um, I forgot off the roster. We've got him in front of, in front of me. One of the things um, Coach Johnson said at Baylor, and either at halftime or post game, is how young they were. Um, I just did the, the stats here, but just kind of the players. Uh, there are looks like 19 or 29 players are under underclassmen in Baylor um, roster. Uh, 65 65% of the team, 48% of the players are actually freshmen. There's 14 freshmen, a couple of redshirt freshmen in that squad. So when he says they're young, I mean they're young. Um, and then if you flip over to Iowa State side, again, 65% of the players in the roster are underclassmen. So I thought both teams looked really good, um, and it really could have been anyone's game, you know, could have been overtime, of course. But uh, you know, Baylor, I mean, had the success that they had a couple of years ago, and now it looks like they're rebuilding a little bit. Looks like the, the future is bright. And then on the flip side for Iowa State, like we had mentioned, you got a young team, you've got spirit within the team, you've got new coaching staff that looks like it'll be a bonding diversity over the past year, what's going on there. And so it feels like it felt just a little bit like uh, like Chris Conley and I was before that game. We had a Matt Campbell situation brewing on the on the winning side of the last year. Yeah, you would say that. Yeah, 
and I'll make a comparison that a little later too with one of the players coming to the coach. Um, in any case, so for, for the Baylor side, um, you know, at the beginning of the game, it looked like they might get first chance. Um, Iowa State um, set up and, and started to, you know, move the ball around the back a little bit, and um, and they looked comfortable doing so. Almost, and then almost too comfortable at one point where they tried to play to the back, and Baylor picked the ball off with. Probably only two minutes into the game, uh, they were able to send a, a nice cross across the field to, I believe it was number 18, Xavier Swindon, who's probably the standout player for me on Baylor on the night. Baylor on the night. She's a sophomore from California. Uh, but as the ball came past her, she just couldn't put her foot on it. But it could have been Baylor 1 0 within the first couple of minutes of that game. Um, and so it kind of felt like Iowa State weathered the storm a little bit. For the first five or ten minutes, looked like Baylor was all over them. Uh, if Baylor sneaks one in and puts on the, that puts that goal, the game may change drastically. Um, but because I think Iowa State was able to weather some of the storm and play themselves in the beginning, um, the game ended up, up being a pretty easy match. Uh, so for Baylor, I like um, 18. I like number 14, um, MJ Anthony as well. She's a she's actually a true freshman for me. I want it. Um, I thought they were the two standout players. And then the defensive midfielder as well. Is that Fenway from the line? With the green shoes. Yeah, with the green shoes. Maybe not Fenway. She's clever. Yeah, but she's good on the ball. Maybe uh, gave the important information on the draft color issues to their roster. Yeah, team. that would be nice. Mm -hmm. um, so, in any case, um, flip over to the Iowa State side. And this is where I'll, I'll make the comparison. Uh, Iowa State's goalkeepers. I thought um, fantastic. So it looked to me, or you, know, you can tell just from social media and then from, from her bio, that she's a redshirt sophomore. Um, and she was the Big Ten freshman of the year last year at Ohio State. Now I pulled, and this is um, Silkowitz. So this is number 29 on the roster, Jordan Silkowitz from Fairfax, Virginia. And um, it, so somehow, somehow the Iowa State coaching staff was able to pull her from Ohio State being a Big Ten freshman of the year uh, over to this you know budding program at Iowa State. Where the coaches and they've fractured relationship there. But what a big pickup because she is absolutely the difference maker, and I'll call her the playmaker in that team. Like now she plays every night. Um, so I mean. Credit to the coaching staff for getting a player of that caliber, um, and you know, to just watching that that player too. And I and it, you know, I don't watch a ton of um, women's soccer, uh, but I've not seen a goalkeeper who is that comfortable with the ball at her feet, um, and who has that much of an impact in a women's college soccer game um, while playing the ball at her feet and on the ground. I mean, a good range of saves too. Like the, she was able to get around the goal well. Big reach. I mean, six feet tall. Right. Yeah. I mean, she's she's got great hands. Uh, she she moves well with her feet. If you watch some of the the highlights, I mean, she can go down and, and get the ball on the ground. She makes that, that great quick reaction. She gets up quick. She moves across the goal very very well. But I mean, in this day and age, you know, when we listen to youth soccer coaches and we read all this stuff on social media, everybody's pushing how important it is to fly out of the back, right? 
everybody's pushing now importantly for you know goal interesting players not to just kick the ball well uh this player in southwest to me is the epitome for that in, in the amateur game from what i've seen and the way she played wasn't just learned in the last couple of weeks at Iowa State. I mean, this kid's been brought up learning how to play out of the back of her feet. I mean, she literally almost created two goals um, with the ball at her feet. The ball kind of sat there. She just stands on the ball, she, and she commits players by standing on the ball with the ball at her feet instead of in the box. Um, she played a really nice, probably 50-yard cross into her left winger, who should have scored a goal. Uh, and then she played long ones, um, and then she should have scored another goal as well. Um, so, and then she just moves well without the ball out of her feet. And so they play, I would hazard a guess that she touched the ball as much, if not more often than I was just thinking of football players. Um, she had the ball all the time at her feet. Well, I think kind of expanding on that, Matt, we talked a little bit to uh, Jobson about that at halftime where, uh, like you said, she was involved heavily and Baylor kind of dropped off there for the first 20 minutes. Didn't they let kind of Iowa State play around the back? And um, we just noticed it, like, it, it seemed like if they would press a little bit, Baylor, um, they may nick one or two. And I mean, sure enough, the second part of the first half, um, they fixed that. They started pressing goalkeeper in the uh, Iowa State's back line. And uh, Silkowitz almost got herself in trouble one or two times uh, as Baylor pressed her. And uh, Iowa State's back line didn't do a whole lot to help her. But like I said, she could strike. I mean, she did. She struck the ball 50-some yards in the air and put one or two players in a couple times. Right. And so, I, and I think by just standing off of her for the first 20 minutes, um, Baylor allowed um, Iowa State and specifically Silkowitz to dictate the tempo of the game, you know, which is a big deal. I thought, you know, probably as a whole, Baylor probably has a more athletic group of players, I think, physically gifted players than Iowa State does. That's taken away if Iowa State gets to dictate the tempo of the game. Um, and so I think that was a big part of it. And just like you mentioned, it almost seemed like 20 minutes in, they go, hey, we're not going to let Sokolitz stand on the ball for the whole game. We're not going to let this thing be one of those games where uh, we, we get beat 1-0. Um, but, you know, so ultimately we started to pressure, and it seemed like they had more success. But I'll tell you what, even under pressure, she still plays a nice match. She's still very composed. And it's, a, it's an incredible weapon, I think, for Iowa State to have. Um, you know, when I, I started, um, I was like, I don't know that I've seen uh, female goalkeepers in our national team play on Iowa State play with their feet like she can play with her feet. And she's a good shot stopper, too. There was a ball that came in, and she actually, she was, she was off her line. She backed up, and she, I mean. Mine was reminiscent of your goalkeeping session in the Wisconsin Lake. It was. Um, sea license, Blake taught us all how to just use your fingertips and touch it over the bar. Touch over the bar, exactly. Magic. It was a great save. I think she had a couple more saves. Um, you know, when you get into the Baylor, the Baylor goal, she, she got her hands on it without even being able to see the ball off the wall. Um, so, I mean, I don't know why a player with that sort of talent, and since the, you know, the, the sort of the team right now is playing on the back of your feet, I mean, why isn't a kid like that in our national? Maybe she is, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I don't think Brianna Scurry could play with her feet like she could play with her feet. No, I, mean, I don't think Hope Solo could play with her yeah, feet. Yeah, I was going to say. You know, I don't think uh, Nair right now can play with her feet like she can. So the difference may be the shot stopping. But apart from that, I mean, that's a real player right there. And she's right named. 
And I think just jump in, I think you got to give a little bit of credit to uh, Matt Bannon and his staff, right? Because we hear about it and see it all the time in the youth game where goalkeepers, defenders continue to try to play out of the back and they're pressed and they don't just play a ball forward and, and remove three quarters of the other team. And, and Bannon forced somebody throughout state decided and made the right decision, right? As they're pressed, hey, play it long yeah. and that eliminated four, five, six, seven Baylor players with one, uh, one strike. Yeah, because they weren't so stubborn that they just kept playing out of the back. Right. When it was on, they did. When it wasn't, they didn't. Yeah, the, I mean, pass selection was, was right on par. So if she played short, we need to play it short, and as long as we get out of trouble. And, and like you see that, that's the problem, I think, with a lot of the way we see teams play these days, to accept my observation is, you play out of the back, just play out of the back. Well, playing out of the back sometimes means getting the fifth yard pass, and, and Silkwood clearly has a license to play the long pass when it's on. Well, that's your point, though. It's like if you're going to have the, the license to play out of the – or just playing out of the back to play out of the back is just as bad as just kicking out the kicker. Mm -hmm. Right. Totally. Totally. So, um, so, I, um, so the, the, the other observation I would say is, you know, it looked like Iowa State played in 4 3, three as, did, uh, as did Baylor. Um, but, you know, we, I think we've talked about it, too. I mean, it just seems like everybody plays in 4 3, three these, uh, these days. Or a variation of it, you know, four two three one or something like that, right? Yeah, whatever it looks like, whatever you want to call it. Um, but it, to me, it looks like oftentimes there's a lack of mobility in midfield when we're watching some of these games, and ultimately it just seems like the midfield gets crowded. So I, I mean, just to talk about the the first goal for Iowa State a little bit because I think it was the antithesis of that, um, or the opposite of that, because it doesn't articulate that well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, so what happens is, is, and this is number number 10 for Iowa State, who I thought had a great game as well, Kennedy Adams. She's a redshirt sophomore from Fort Collins, Colorado. And she, I think she may have been one of the players that made the team of the week. Which number was she? Yeah, top drawer soccer. 10? Yeah. Of the week. So she played midfield. I think she's kind of like their, their strong, stout sort of destroyer in midfield. She can run box to box. But she gets after it a little bit, and then that she's sort of complimented then by number thirty-two, um, Mira Emma, who was the short, the short, right? yeah, yeah. dark-haired girl. So she kind of, you know, more of the, more of their finesse player in the field, kind of for, for cross field. But the way the the, the goal gets scored is that um, Kennedy gets the ball in her on midfield, and she she takes the ball across her body. If I kind of sort of paint this picture facing the direction where she wants to go. And it looks like she's going to try and go sideways. And it's it's just not on to go sideways. And ordinarily, I think what we would see from a lot of teams, and I would say college soccer teams in this context as well, is that the reason that a player would look sideways is because it's so crowded in front of her. But in this specific circumstance, um, Iowa State, even in, the, in their attacking third, their two advanced midfielders and then their, their striker, People would call them the eight, the ten, and the nine. Were were pushed up nice high and almost into the the eighteen yard box. And so what happened was, is because Kennedy couldn't go sideways, she then looked forward and she was able to find. I, I can't remember what number it was, but I'll call her the ten, who was almost in the eighteen yard box, and play a ball um, directly forwards. And all Kennedy did was she played the ball, ball forward and just followed her pass. And as soon as she played the ball forward, the ball got played back into her. 
And meanwhile, Iowa State's number nine was running away, actually creating space for Kennedy to run into. And so what ended up happening is Kennedy basically just found the ball in space 20 yards outside uh, from the goal line, just outside the edge of the box. And she just rolled one in on the turf of the side of her foot. Um, but I would say if there was a way that Iowa State was going to draw that, that up, that up, just from a, a perspective of midfield rotation and their their attackers creating space while their central midfielders on the ball, that was it. Because when they're, they're when Kennedy gets the ball sorted as the number six, um, the other players are running away creating space for it. It's just sort of a, a typical play the ball forwards, follow your pass, and then. Uh, penetrate on the dribble and then with the shot open but it was a great first goal by Iowa State. Well look where it started. You remember I mean we remember we watched the build up mm -hmm. and I mean it went started uh, at least the ball at one point ended up at their goalkeeper's feet. And I mean it was it was like oh as it built up you could see it happening and Baylor was a step or two slow um just kind of reacting to everything and like you said Matt uh Iowa State passed and moved and started the back and what was it six, seven, eight passes later uh, the ball was in the back of the goal. It was a good little team team goal. Good team effort. And then, like, knowing when to go forward at the right time, picking your moment, and going for it. I mean, really, really good play. And so that, that's why I have to say, you start looking at that, and I think that's – I think these coaches that probably only have a limited, limited amount of time with these kids. But I don't doubt that that's, a, that's, that's the way they want to play. Um, and I think they're – are they English guys? Can you tell me they're English guys or – he, again, he was not American. Okay. He sound, I don't know. I'm not a good judge of uh, accent, but from the he UK. spoke English. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, he did speak English language. Yeah, but he's from the UK. Most likely, yeah. Okay. Maybe, um, maybe bringing a little bit of sort of no-nonsense, group one football to the Iowa State team with a blended mixture of, you know, players that can play with their feet, a goalkeeper who can play on the back. Could be a really good recipe. They, they had a clear, like, pattern of play of, like, okay, here's option one, play it out to the outside back, and where does it go? Or, like, if that's on, where does it go from there? I mean, it looked like there was – that had been trained. Right. And they also – we talked about, too, I mean, they, like, they were not shying away from the tackle. You know, I think we mentioned at one point in the first half, without looking at the stats, I would not um, be surprised if the fouls weren't four or five to one. Um, yeah, what's the stats just, on that overall? Uh, oh, you got there. That boy. Uh, we don't have that. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. They don't have, don't have that, right? So, um, <laughs> so just um, kind of fast forwarding. I mean, Baylor. We spent a lot of time in Iowa State, and um, but um, Baylor uh, played really well as well, um, and oftentimes looked like they were gonna they were gonna ultimately win the game. It, it felt like a game that Iowa State might win before they. Tinkered around would eventually get the equalizer and end up 2 1. At least that's that's what I thought was going to happen. I thought Baylor was going to win 2 1. But so Baylor in the second half um, gets fouled in the edge of the box. Um, this is after they've been putting a lot of pressure on, right? Yeah. Filing it off. Yeah. So it feels like a goal is coming, an equalizer is coming for Baylor. It's going to be a matter of time until they get it. And they get fouled in the edge of the box. And here's where you, you, you know, give credit to the Baylor coaching staff and Coach Jackson because they end up ultimately scoring on the free kick, but it's clearly a training ground goal. Um, it's clearly a goal that they've, they've set up for, that they've practiced in training, and they executed it perfectly in the game. Sounds like so, you listen to the uh, post-game interview. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I think if people want to hear more um, about Baylor's point of view on that set piece goal, make sure to listen to our post game interview with uh, Coach Jobs on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Maybe I should listen to that one then because I haven't seen it. Well, no, because he literally, like, Blake, yeah. Blake grilled him on it and said, hey, was that drawn up? And he's like, oh, yeah, that's a player that works on this all the time in training. Like, yeah, well, weren't surprised. Yop, Yopich, I think. Yeah, they weren't surprised. You know, like, that's not an uncommon It was result. a good goal, too, wasn't it? Yeah, it's just one of it's a, it's a play you, you've seen often, right? You just play it to the side of the wall, and the player comes and times it right and just hits the wall. Um, and so she, she, it wasn't a great shot, but there was enough, it was close enough, there was enough power that, um, and the wall was in the way that Silkowitz couldn't see it early enough. I think Silkowitz would like to see a, see that ball again because maybe she felt, maybe she could, could have or should have saved it. But it was, there was enough power on the ball where she had her hands on it, but still went in the back of the net. So that's when it's 1 1. And you're saying, all right, there's a momentum switch. Um, and then the game uh, ends with the regulation of one goal and goal to And I think we'd be remiss to let everybody know, too. Baylor did get um, Sarah Norman sent off there, right, for that second yellow card. And so that did play, yeah, that's right. That did play a factor in the overtime. Big time. And I didn't see why did she get sent off? Was it a second yellow or? You know, we tried to pull the referee report, but uh, our, our pool of question <laughs> has not been uh, responded to yet. Guys, that was not buying it. <laughs> did you? Oh, did you? Did you ask that? What happened? Uh, we have. We uh, we have not. <laughs> I think there's maybe something you want to find out. We, yeah, we. Uh, that uh, that would have been good, but yeah. So uh, I don't know. Talking about a little about overtime, take tactician that goes in the first one. <laughs> Um, zero or uh, one one still get in the second overtime and Iowa State was able to kind of convert on a I don't know a little corner kick wasn't it just yeah. uh, deflection whatnot well and I missed it so I, I watched uh, I watched it online afterwards but you, you recall you guys wanted Dre around complex and get set up for your post game interviews so we hopped in the car and 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 as we were I think just getting in the car driving around we just heard this big roar and the band start playing and all that stuff. That's, uh, that is correct, actually, isn't it? And Iowa State had won on a, on a corner kick. So I watched it. It was a, you know, nice ball gets served in. And, and what happened? Iowa State just goes up and wins the header. Yeah. Wins the header. Good things happen when you go up and win headers in the box on corner kicks. It lights up a bill of play and goes in the back of the net. So uh, another great goal for Iowa State. I mean, that's the, that's the point in the game where, I mean, to me, the player that goes up and has that ball, just is determined that she's going to win the ball. She's going to jump higher than the opponent, and she's going to sort of take the game or scrub from the ice and win it. And that's exactly what what I would say did. And, and um, they're pretty fired up. You can see how excited they were on the video after the game. I mean, they just kind of cleared. They all uh, sort of started hugging and jumping and with each other, celebrating the great victory and their first, apparently, their first conference victory, victory in a number of number of years. Yeah, and I think before we get uh, before we wrap it up, um, I think we definitely got to give a big thanks to the uh, Paul Jobs and Matt Fannin, Iowa State and Baylor women's coaches, uh, giving us some time to uh, give us their thoughts at halftime and then post game as well. Yeah, especially uh, the Iowa State coach Matt Fannin because we just sort of jumped in. Yeah, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was good, and we uh, again we kind of talked about it in our interview, which you guys I think again there's our little. Uh, Social media plug. Yeah, that uh, we kind of you'll hear the whole story on the on the post there, but uh, you know he told us to hold on and wait. He he gave a quicker pregame or post game speech. Three minutes with the girl and uh, came back 
and gave it some time. So he was like running back. Well, I noticed that you beautiful. Like, you made me. You still gave you an interview even though you were running the table and you got a good run. Well, ah. it was, it was, uh, it was ah. in our cameraman's. Yeah. I didn't know. Um, but we'll see. I'm, I'm checking the mail every day, uh, Matt, to see if you delivered one yet. And still nothing. So <laughs> it'll it'll come, Matt. Only oh, 40 minutes late. <laughs> Yeah, but those guys are those guys were helpful, um, <laughs> awesome. They obviously could say no. Um, I know how it is, right? We've all coached, you've all in the game, and sometimes the last thing you want to do is talk to a couple guys. Um, well, and Coach the Coach Jobson, uh, super gracious, like even in defeat, takes the time to chat with us. Yeah, yeah, two years in a row for him. So uh, yeah. he's on he, our uh, favorites list, I think. Yeah, and he put up with our uh, technical difficulties by our cameraman there. We made him wait minutes at halftime uh, trying to figure things out so the uh, av department's lacking basically <laughs> we understand but appreciate it so two parting thoughts i have two parting thoughts mm, perfect one I need to wrap it now just to uh reiterate if you're a youth soccer player go out and watch this team play especially for the female athletes that aspire to do sort of big things with their careers in, in you know in, in soccer and that goes for this game, goes for the great team and stuff like that. But I think, and then specifically goalkeepers. And I, I don't, I don't, you know, I've only seen Kirkwood play once. But if you want to see how to play with your feet when you're young, when you're 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, however you're old, you need to go see this player play. Um, the second thing I'd add is that, you know, if our national team coaches listening to this, <laughs> I'm sure. Is it, is it Blacko? Who's the, it is. Yeah, um, maybe we tag him in this post. You gotta get Tuglitz in the national pool if if uh, <laughs> if she's not already. I know. tactician says it. That's right. I mean, I've seen I've seen enough these games to know, right? She should be. She's better than there. She's better than the backup. Ashlyn Harris. Ashlyn Harris. Right. Better. The Instagram post yeah, yeah. story. She's girl. better. Yeah. Both of those girls put together with their feet. She can get better with her hands if that's what you like. But I mean, if we're gonna start peddling this, you gotta be able what to play on the back stuff. She's nineteen or twenty. Which is important. They should have a look at this this, this player because I mean she's she's fantastic. You can go check out her feet because I retweeted a bunch of her old uh, Ohio State videos. So. Nice, uh, and I guess just on that note, your first note there uh, of just uh, getting a chance to go up and play, and if you're a youth player or whatever, you know, if you it would be it's it would be a really good little uh, experiment for you as as a maybe potentially aspiring college player to go and go look at a game at Iowa State or watch a game at Drake. Uh, you know, go down to Simpson or Graceland or one of these other, you know, D3 schools and get a different different idea of the, the atmosphere because the difference between ISU and uh, Drake is, I don't know, how many students, <laughs> you know, like 30,000 students or something. Yeah. So that's why there's a band. That's why they have their own, uh, their own field. You know, that's why their campus is so big, like whatever. But it, it's just an interesting, uh, you know, there's so many different opportunities you've got, especially as a female player in the state of Iowa to play. Absolutely. 100%. All right. Well, thanks again, Titan Tactician. We'll uh, we'll see you next week. I don't know who our next game is. We but got a little break, but we uh, we'll have to keep again keep the audience on their toes. That's right. All right, Siebs. That was pretty fun. Always love it when the Titan tactician comes in the studio. Yeah, he uh, he was missing there for about a year, and now he's made two appearances in two weeks. Oh, and I can tell he just loves it. This week he had his notes. He was all ready to go. Yeah, 
you know, he's really taken on a softer side this past uh, year or so with, with this, you know, going with all this emotion, talking about the atmosphere and everything. I mean, I love it. It's, it's yeah, I mean, nice. It's refreshing. There was definitely some, uh, a little bit of uh, tension between, between you and him the last two weeks now. You know, he kind of, he's kind of just decided to go off on his own tangent. I hope he doesn't think he's, uh, he's running this, this podcast, yeah, but yeah. we'll on. see how it comes uh, in the next few weeks. That's right. Well, um, maybe you should, uh, you were, you were teasing the social media the whole time. Steve. You ready? Yeah. So, uh, Facebook is kick it forward. IA Twitter is kick underscore forward. Instagram is kick dot it dot forward. TikTok kick kick dot it dot forward. And then YouTube channel is kick it forward. If you search, uh, search for kick it forward. And then we've also, for those that wait till the very end, um, stay tuned because we have some, uh, some big news on the, on the mini pitch front. Yeah, absolutely. That should be fun. Um, and you know, in case you were wondering why Blake was talking about all of our social media, you can go and catch all the extra interviews from the game and little clips, weather report, um, you know, and maybe even some pictures about, uh, from tonight's pod. All right, right on. Good talk. See you out there. Thank you.